and welcome to the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. I'm Chris. And today I'm chatting with Luca Manning. So, time to glow up and sing it from the rafters. Hello, hello, hello and welcome to episode three of series five of the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. And welcome to you wherever you are in the world. And if you're a first time listener, well, you're most welcome. But it's great to have everyone on board the Watford Junction Jazz Train. Toot toot! Don't forget to visit watfordjazzjunction.com and find the magical link to hear our fantastic live and free video by the Emma Smith Quartet, recorded especially for us. And it's the only place, our website, where you can also book tickets to see actual live jazz in Watford with the Chrissingham Quartet in October and the Tony Kofi Quintet in the new year. Hurrah! Now, down to business. Today... I must say, I am very pleased to be in conversation with a fabulous musician and virtuoso singer who's been wowing audiences in fair Glasgow for years, and more recently London, and indeed the world, thanks to the internet. Pride of the Clyde, and owner of a pretty deft makeup kit to boot, it can only be the lovely vocal sensation, Luca Manning. Luca, hello, how are you? Oh, I'm really good, thanks. That was a great introduction, thank you. Whoop whoop. Where in the world do I find you today? I'm in East London, just off Brick Lane, in my lovely flat. Nice, within easy reach of a bagel. Yes, absolutely. In fact, our lovely landlord, shout out to Pam, she's an absolute legend, the other day came back to the flat and there was 24 bagels lying in the kitchen from the bagel shop. Yeah, spoiled, absolutely spoiled. I've eaten them all today for lunch. Um, (laughs) Standard issue. Um, yeah. Obviously, because the Watford Jazz Junction listener will want to know, do you go the salmon and cream cheese? Do you go the salt beef bagel? Or do you do something different? Well, see, now, because I'm veggie, it has to be plain old cream cheese. Um, uh, but it used to be the full works. Yeah, I'd go for salt beef or whatever. And, um, but now, yeah, doing the veggie thing. So, yeah. Nice. Body is a temple. Body is a temple. I love yeah, it. that's it. You know, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, my first question to you, which may confuse the audience, but what is turning Luke's? <laughs> um, that's a little bit of, um, I suppose, drag lingo that Go I on. picked up. Um, so, um, the drag community, I'm talking drag kings, drag queens, and yeah. everything in between and surrounding areas, for those who don't know kind of have their own wonderful colourful language in terms that they use to describe things so like if you beat your mug it's not a nice um, aggressive punch in the face you're talking about putting on your makeup um, ah. and so turning turning looks is um, if you you know you put you put a quite a stunning outfit together and you turn a look you know oh nice oh it's lovely yeah. I, I love that expression ah you're turning looks and yeah, I tell you, you what I'll tell you what, audience, you won't be able to see Luca, but he would definitely be turning your Luke's uh, because he's put some effort on and he's got a lovely waistcoat on as well to boot. Now, I would like to know, as would everyone listening to this, what was your sort of path into music from little boy to now? What's been the sort of journey? You know, it's not one of these things where you wake up and go, today I'm going to decide that I'm going to be a singer. I think I was kind of out the womb singing, you know? Um, And it's funny because I don't come from a family of, um, let a few musicians and stuff in kind of more distant family but um, my immediate family love music and music was always on in the house and they love everything creative but they weren't necessarily themselves creatives or, or working in the industry or whatever um, but I really 
loved it and just always sang and and then thought I was going to be like in I don't know a kind of rock star like a bit of a punk or always kind of played in bands and stuff and then the formal music training kind of was suggested to me and and we went from there really yeah so mate so at what age then did jazz become an influence um if there was sort of punk or rock or something going on well yeah so I went through quite a few phases like because I was brought up with such a wide like palette of sounds you know um but I guess the jazz thing. I got really into like Amy Winehouse when her records were coming out, and and older soul music like Aretha and Stevie and uh, Donny Hathaway. And I thought initially that I'd done the jazz thing by checking these guys out. You know, I was like, yeah, that's kind of jazzy, isn't it? You know. And then <laughs> my school, my school were like, oh, you should go and do this weekly jazz vocal workshop being run by the Strathclyde Youth Jazz Orchestra. And I went along thinking, yeah, I know what jazz is. And I didn't have the slightest clue, you know. I was like, wow, this is like a whole new language. I didn't know what a standard was. Hadn't checked out like much jazz at all. And yeah, that's when it all came out. I think I was like 15 or 16. And I was just like, wow, this is like a whole new language, a whole new tradition, a whole new art form that I just am clueless about. And I want to, I want to get involved. Um, And so though, from being a a wee Ben um, Mm. through to... I don't know, taking London is probably a bit over the top, but do you know what I mean? Coming on and being a legitimate... <laughs> London pop- is mine. <laughs> Bam! Do you know what I mean? But, but coming to London and actually being, a, you know, I'm a proper jazz singer and, you know, I play places and I go around and do, I'm on the scene, so to speak. What, what was the interim step? Am I making it up or were you in Nigel? Now you've mentioned uh, Amy Winehouse. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I was. I mean, well, it's... I knew you were. interesting thing because, because I, I, I was... Um, and I think it's interesting that you say, you know, moving to London. So I think when I first moved, I moved here to study at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama, or is it Mucus and Trauma? Um, optional. <laughs> but um, no, I'm really, I'm really, I really love it there. And and I was kind of drawn to that course because of Malcolm Edmondson, who yeah, is the yeah. head and him being Scottish and knowing him and whatever. And I'm just about to finish my degree there and I've loved it. It's been amazing. But as you say, I've been really lucky that I've always kind of had one foot in college and one foot out on the scene. And I think when I moved to London, I'd already been gigging and stuff in Scotland because the scene there is like, it's, it's, it's buzzing and it's so, it's thriving, but it's also relatively small. So I was already doing festival work before I came to college. So I, I had my own bands and I knew how to lead a band and I knew how to kind of hustle for gigs. So as soon as I got to London, I was like, okay, right, I want to be a great jazz singer and do all the things. So I did things like Nigel and, you know, just got gigs around the scenes and like got talking to venues and whatever. But I'd say like, really, it's it's been a learning curve because now I'm like, I, I think you, you come into a scene like this and you go, I, I just want to be a great jazz singer and be all that entails and do all the things. And, and now I'm kind of less worried about any of that. I don't really care. <laughs> I'm just like, I am who I am and I'll do what I love. And I kind of want to throw away a bit of that initial, you know, I think you get so focused on one thing, but actually we should be many things. So um, yeah, it's been a bit of a full circle that really. Yeah. So what's sort of been your your favourite, which is a bit of an F word, but your most memorable gig to date not necessarily the biggest one you played but the one that sort of sticks wow. to go that was the moment or that was a moment I will cherish wow that's so difficult I mean there's been so many great things that I've been a part of over the years but I'd say like some that stick out instantly is like I remember doing 
I've done the Vortex Valentine's Night twice, um, and that's we always love, we love like, the Vortex. Yeah, I mean, it's just great because I love that venue and and I love the kind of real mixed demographic you get there. So like we would do Valentine's Day and there's, you know, these lovely like kind of unassuming heterosexual couples having a date night in the front row. And then there's all my kind of weird and wonderful pals up the back getting really pissed. And it's just this, the the energy that that creates in the room is fantastic. And then at the end of the gig, we I always make the band play LOVE and then every time we modulate, we do a shot so i have like one of my <laughs> friends like running about like giving the band loads of shots and then we get you know it's great and then i guess like aside from that like definitely like some of the more recent stuff like being a part of jazz voice and um doing the ronnie stream like the, the ronnie stream was special because we'd just done christmas and it'd been fucking hard for everyone and uh, although it, there was no audience like, it just felt like the energy that we had amongst me and the band like it was just that kind of unwritten like we didn't rehearse we just turned up and played our socks off and stuff like that yeah, it's yeah, always yeah. felt really special you know that's interesting so you, you raised the jazz voice so for those who don't know um the efg london jazz festival um their opening concert is traditionally uh the jazz voice it's called under the steely baton of uh, the lovely guy barker a full orchestration of some fantastic pieces of music and then you get a selection of singers and I think in November there was China Moses and Cleveland Watkiss and I think Vanessa Haynes. And then out of nowhere, there's a Luca Manning on the stage as well. And all of these voices, they sing independently. They sing their own songs and whatnot. But it's just like a really perfect moment because you get this sense of uh, soul, but you also get the complete spread of diversity. And that for me is one of the great joys of jazz. But you see it so clearly in this sort of 90 minute concert. What, what was that like, sort of, play, you know, singing on stage alongside some people who must you must have listened to over the years and gone, oh, I'm now an equal? Yeah, it was bloody scary. I mean, I was the, <laughs> the youngest, least experienced by far. And just to even get the call for that gig was really, it was quite overwhelming because I'd been, I sat in on the rehearsal the year before, like as a fangirl, because they had like Cecile McClone Savon, Corinne Bailey yeah. Ray, Roll Madon. Like, I remember sitting in that rehearsal room just being like, this is a gig that I would love to do one day. And then a couple of months later, Guy Barker rings me up and is like, hey, Jordan, do jazz voice. And like, it was even more bizarre doing it during COVID because there was a heightened thing of like having to do it under all these restrictions and it being solely broadcasted and you're i feel like doing the broadcast and live stream thing is a completely different skill to feeding off an audience you're performing sure. to these black holes that are cameras and there's a you know just negotiating that as a performer was something we were all still trying to figure out and as mm. you say yeah like standing on a stage and looking across and hearing vanessa haynes like hearing that voice in person like beside me was just astonishing and having people like Ch china that just kind of took me under her wing and helped me out. It was beautiful. It was honestly just such a joy, such a joy. Out of interest, how important, you know, are your glad rags to doing a performance like that? Because when there isn't an audience, actually dressing up, putting on the effort, is it a bit weird or is it like, God, if I didn't do this, I, I wouldn't have enough zip and energy. I'm just interested in the role well, of the presentation. I do think that, well, well, first of all, like if you like, look back at gig footage of me, two years ago I'm not I have a very different aesthetic because mm. I would say that you've caught me at a very interesting time in my life as a human being because I'm 
I've I've I feel like I've grown a lot and evolved a lot and just started to unpick a lot of the bullshit that I put up to to be a great jazz singer in London in inverted commas. Um mm. so I, I'm just me now, you know. So I, I'm exploring my aesthetic unapologetically and, and how I present and just it really makes me feel authentic to to what I want to convey and therefore it is important. You know, it's not like I'm not doing it for anyone but myself. Really. Um, it's important to me that I can express myself as an artist, not just with my voice, but in how I present. So, and and there's definitely a I love the ritual element of like putting on your makeup or putting on that outfit before a performance or even before a night out. That's where it all comes from for me. You know that ritual of like everyone getting ready and pre-drinking before the club. Like that's what gets you set up for the night. That's where some of the best chats happen. That's where some of the laughs occur and, and that's kind of where it all comes from for me. Then I feel ready to go on stage. Also, I mean, anyone will tell you like makeup does have an element to it that just gives you, I mean, you can look as busted as anyone, but you will feel like the most fierce person in the world. Like you will be this kind of ignorant confidence, like oozes, you know, when you've got, cause it is a mask, it is armor, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, you're going into this beautiful, it's not a battle, you don't want to be fighting the band, but you're, you're kind of going into this thing together and it's like, I've got you and you've got me and I'm there in my face feeling authentic and ready to go, you know, I'm, I'm hyped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's fascinating. And what we're, where we're sort of talking about performance and whatnot, and still with the, the I guess, the, the jazz voice in, in mind, in my mind anyway, but what the role of collaboration for you mm. what 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 are the factors that make for a great musical partnership what what is it that happens that makes luca go Pow! right so trust and safety because for me if you can't be your and I, i've honestly learned this over the past few years i think i used to just want to play with all the people that were renowned on the scene or who i thought i you know, if you play with them, then you've made it. But what I've realized through playing with loads of people and, and a lot of the great people is that ultimately I make the best music when I when there's trust, when I know if I fall backwards, I'm going to be caught with open arms. Right, and right. I can be myself 100%. And like, because vulnerability is so important in, a, in an improvised music like jazz, where you want to take risks, you want to go on an adventure, you want to be have the the vulnerability to to kind of go out just so your feet aren't touching the ground you know that's where the magic happens and you can't do that if you feel unsafe if you feel like you have to impress your band in any way or put up a front so ultimately it's just it's my friends it's the people that I want to have a drink with after in the bar it's not it's people I want to hang out with because then I know that they know who I am and they know you know, some of the people that I love playing with like Fergus McCready if I'm playing duo with him he knows how I'm going to sing before I even know because we we we're so connected, you know, um, musically and on and off stage, you know. So and, and talking about checking out some of your back catalogue, internet is is lovely for this and the ability to be able to do it. But there is a lovely duet with you back in the day with Fergus on the piano. God, don't ask me what it was, but I, I was just mesmerised. Going, wow, that is a young guy who's going somewhere. You could just see it there. So definitely, oh, definitely Google you. a bit of Luca in your life. Yeah, it it, it reaps rewards. There's um definitely a lot of back catalogue out there. I'm so thrilled that new stuff is on its way because yeah, it's but but it's important to me because a lot of people would take that kind of stuff down every couple of years or so and and I feel it's important that yeah. 
like I'm I'm transparent. Like that is where I've come from. That you know I was in my bedroom with Fergus figuring it out. You know back in the day and 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 now you can... we we should say there you you were in your bedroom with Fergus figuring out jazz. <laughs> Listen, maybe we'll just leave it to the listeners' own imagination. I'm sure there's a there's a jazz scandal for you. <laughs> you heard it here first on the Watford Jazz Junction. Um, so I'm just really interested as a final sort of point on this because um, I'm interested in a lot of things, it turns out. But you said two things there. One was about the sense of trust, but falling backwards. And one was the sense of vulnerability, which to my mind is sort of falling forwards because you don't know what's going to happen. It occurs to right. me that the responsibility or the opportunity for you is to try and sort of stay on your feet between that because you want to give something of yourself to the audience. But at the same time, you need to know that what's going on behind you will keep you steady. The relationship with Absolutely. the relationship that you have with your bands must therefore be hard won, if not hard practiced. It doesn't just happen, right? Yeah, you get to a point with people where or you get to a point in because in jazz you naturally you know, there's situations where you're working with different people all the time. And you I think through through just doing it over the years, like you begin to find the people that you want to go back to and nurture those relationships you know um and there's still opportunities where i'm playing with new people all the time there's still so many people that i haven't played with that i want to play with and there's pe- to people for different you call different people for different things or um in different times in your life there's different people that you have a great musical partnership with so it's something that's ever changing i think i think if at any point you're playing with the same people day in day out the same music in the same way something's gone wrong absolutely it it should be ever-changing there should always be an element of new exciting creativity but you're right like you can't begin to take those risks or be your most beautifully vulnerable if there's not safety at the heart of it yeah i think it's fascinating now this is a brand new quickfire quiz challenge and it's called lucas glasgow's miles better and stars of scottish jazz hot question frenzy are you ready I think so. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll warm you up. Locke or Glenn? Locke. Tenants or Talisker? Tenants. <laughs> Should bagpipes and jazz ever mix? Uh, who is it? Gunhild Carling? <laughs> yeah, Gunhild. Did yeah, she yeah. do it? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There's a couple who've done it. Yeah, yeah, go on. Why not? That's the spirit. Uh, Glasshopper or Fergus McCready? Oh, that's what are you trying to do? Come on now. Create division. Fergus. Strong. Uh, for the record, Luca rejects Glasshopper and their entire back catalogue. Um, oh no, I love you! Fraser Urquhart or Ali Affleck? Uh, Ali, because I gigged with her recently. Nice. Uh, but Fraser, we, we, we love his straight head piano as well. All is good in yep. the world of jazz. Um, we've got two left. Um, Haggis or Neeps? Oh, well, Veggie Haggis? Can I go Veggie Haggis? Because Veggie Haggis is banging. Of course, which is just basically oats, isn't it? Yeah, but they've nailed the flavour. It's actually better. Honestly, guys, it's better. Check it out. Nice. And finally, the least least jazz-related question I could find, Andy Murray or Judy Murray? Oh, we'll go Judy. She's the queen, isn't she? (laughs) You wouldn't have have Andy without Judy, so... (laughs) Truth. Uh, And the world would be a poorer place for it. Now, um, my set question for you, Luca, to change tact entirely. When you're on stage... Is there yep. always a Sasha Fierce type personality that you need to reach into to become a star? 
Or are there times when there shouldn't be a persona? Do I have a persona? I don't know. I'm just asking. I mean, should you reach in somewhere to a sense of identity or should you just see what happens? I think, so I think performers, like I'm not, I'm not um, Prince or Freddie Mercury. You know, these are people that I'm inspired by that had, that created personas to the point which they changed their name and whatever, or like, you know, Ziggy Stardust and people have different names for different projects and characters that they embody. Um, I've never been billed under anything other than Luca Manning and I would hope that anything I do on stage is is something that I'd be likely to do off stage to be honest with you you know ask any of my pals obviously if you're performing to people you want to connect with them and 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 you as a performer have have a responsibility to to generate energy in a room Mm. to to communicate energy so yes, I'm a heightened version of whatever I am, but the important thing is that it, it's informed by who I am. So I, I never think of it as, as becoming anything other than an extension of myself. I'm not, I don't think, okay, this is me. Cause I, I wear makeup and, and glad drags. Like if I'm going like, like, you know, yesterday I was in full face, you know, yeah, yeah. I wasn't, you know, so it, it's not, to me, it's not a stage persona thing at all. Um, and and some of my favorite performers are so beautifully shy and vulnerable because that's who they are and they mess up and they make themselves giggle and they you know so i don't really believe in like becoming a different person on stage really unless yeah. it's, it is like a a a highly conceptual prince or ziggy like like as part of the whole artistic concept you are becoming this character but at the end of the day prince was prince because prince was prince you know it's still informed by who you are true what you want to say you know yeah i think identity and and creativity and space and place are all just it's a fascinating sort of mix isn't it of collision exactly and and it's something that i think people battle with all the time like i know artists that live under like four different personas for different sounds of music they create and i just kind of thought that doesn't really appeal to me because who i am is is a it is so many components of of different musics and different scenes and different times in my life and and you wouldn't question it if i was to talk to you like we're doing just now so so it's just the music industry or media perhaps that might want you to section off these things because it's easier for journalists to write about or for Spotify to playlist. But yeah. I, I, I'm kind of like, it's all me and, and I hope that that translates. Just to swallow on the topic, you just really remind me of a, a question and, and this a similar discussion I had with Emma Smith going back, oh, mm. five, five series even. Uh, but she was talking about when she had a record contract to sort of do pop and whatnot. And, and that industry was trying to change her. They were obsessed about yeah. her weight and how she looked and what she did and this regime of everything. And eventually she sort of um, did away with it and just said, that's just not yeah. me. And it's certainly not the musician I want to be. So that sense of authentic self and she's happy and finds her feet and, you know, that's just right. history. Do you think it's easier to be yourself in jazz and therefore to genuinely say, this is who I am? And perhaps if you were a pop singer, you would have had to reinvent not just sort of personality, but the presentation of self to the world in a way that might not suit you? Well, I think, so I think Emma's an amazing example of someone that has experience in multiple parts of the industry and is now what, like, Emma's an inspiration to me, you know, and, and, I've told her that you know in terms of how authentic she is now and someone that's 
been excelled in so many areas but now truly feels like it's her yeah and she's doing her thing on her terms and she has autonomy over what she's creating which is beautiful to see um i think that okay if you get picked up because you're a tiktok star and you're 13 years old and you release your first album at 16 okay you're gonna probably be absolutely tailored by the industry and the pop world to be something and you're probably not going to know quite what it is you want or who you are and there's going to be a whole team of people completely molding your future for you in quite an unhealthy way in my opinion Mm. but that doesn't mean that there isn't pop stars or or, that absolutely are authentic and and perhaps more so than a lot of jazz singers we see because jazz although it's not the pop industry still has its own hierarchy its own stereotypes its own expectations its own shortcomings of industry its own media you know um i know a hell of a i've been probably had moments of inauthenticity in the jazz world more so than i have in other you know, when I played other musics because I thought I had to fit into certain shoes. So I wouldn't necessarily, I'd say it's, it's smaller and more, nego- more easy to navigate and to, and, but, um, and you, and you can have autonomy over your career in the sense that you don't need to rely on management to book gigs or whatever mm. as you might need to in the pop world. But I don't know. It's just so interesting that space where it's actually the same for, for jazz or, or, or pop or rock or any of these industries but it's how much you can own it yourself and feel that control. You know, I just thank you for being so honest and open because I think it's revelatory to to understand those parts. the best way to be. Yeah. Now, Luca, we are at that stage and the Junction listeners knows what's coming. Um, What are your top three albums of all time? Dum, dum, dum. Uh, I'm going to very politely shave off the of all time part of that question. Because it's just too bloody hard. Um, you know, the, my kind of like albums that I have in rotation, you know, change all the time. And as new stuff comes or as, as nostalgia hits and I want to go back to that certain part. And, you know, I definitely have things that I rotate and repeat. Um, so I'm just going to give you the answer of the moment. And let's go for a mixed bag. I would say like one artist that really excites me is Moses Sumney. So like either of his albums, like Ar- Aromanticism or Grey, I'd never get bored of one of them. Like there's always stuff in there that I would, my ears would pick up on and I'd be like, oh, that's amazing. So definitely one of those records. And then um, 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 maybe like, oh, today I was listening to Mark Murphy, Once to Every Heart, uh-huh. which is like one of his older albums and it's just heartbreaking and beautiful. I love a good cry with a bottle of gin in the bath and that's kind of one of those records, you know? um nice and i feel like I'd, I'd need something to dance to or maybe i just have something a bit more groovy like maybe like frank like the amy record or like leanne havis's record like something with a bit of groove in it you know so who should we go for um, amy or leanne let's go for leanne i love that record that new one so what we've got moses sumney mark murphy Le- leanne havis that's a i feel like that's a good spread right that's excellent work and we should all enjoy checking them out if you don't know them now mm. Um, if you're on the home straight, Luca, you should be thrilled with yourself. But I'm going I'm to sweating. introduce you to our house band. And I warn you, there is a consequence at the end, so be prepared. Oh. Where once there were seven, we have now become a dirty dozen. We are growing like Topsy, but we still remain the tightest, slickest, sickest band in podcast show business. Up front on reads, we've got the indomitable Vi Red and Sonny Rollins. 
On trombone, we've got James Morrison, and on trumpet, Dizzy Gillespie. In our back line, we've got Gene Harris on piano, Shirley Tete on guitar, bassists Jacko Pastorius and Christian McBride, Terry Lynn Carrington is on the drums, and Leanne Carroll is on vocals and backup keys. Plus, we've got Zakir Hussein on tabla. Thanks, Jazdeep. And if that's not enough, we've also got Duke Ellington out front directing things, and we've got a band artist in the form of Roger Dean. Now, Luca, that's a lot of names, and it's a whole lot of band that the Watford Jazz Junction have to keep paying. But I want to come to the gig. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Our gift to you is an opportunity to review the band. You can fillet it. You can remove someone if you wish. But what you have to do is replace someone because everyone in that band needs a break. And what our opportunity is for you is to say, I tell you what, let's take XYZ out and we will put XYZ in. So the person leaving will be delighted that they get a break and you get to bring a new musician to the band. Oh, this is so difficult. Do you know what? Who did you have on keys again? Uh, well, we've got sort of two, but in principle, we've got Gene Harris on piano. Right. Maybe I give Gene Harris a break. Nice. And, uh, Mary, Mary Lou Williams is in my head because it was her birthday. Recent, it would have been her, her birthday recently. So we'll take her. Maybe we bring Mary. Let's bring Mary, you know, ahead of her time. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I really want... When, you, when, you, when Ellington was popping up, waving his arms, it made me think, oh, we should get a, a writing team. And I was like, get Strayhorn writing the charts. And I thought of getting Fran Landisman, the amazing lyricist. Imagine that writing team of like Strayhorn and Fran Landisman writing songs for Leanne Carroll with that band. Oh my God, that would be heart-wrenching. Now you've thrown me because I like the Mary Lou swap and that's happened. I mean, that's a given. So we remain 12. But there is something about what you're saying that at some point we haven't got a lyrical lyricist, so to speak. Right? Fran Landisman. You have been a nice guest. Spring can really hang you up the most. All these amazing songs. That was her lyrics, you know. The pitch has been successful. You have passed the Jazz Dragon's yes. Den. We are now yes. 13. We're a baker's dozen and increasingly at risk of going bankrupt. Wow. We're loving the band and we're loving Luca. Thanks, man. So thank you. it just comes down to me to say thank you for joining us today. Um, what opportunities are there for us to hear you live in the coming months? Is there much on the schedule? Yeah, I'm I'm at uh, Ronnie's on the 28th of June whoop, whoop. with um, my trio and special guest Sharice, ah. which I'm really really excited about. Um, so do do come along to that Fantastic. and um, other other stuff announced soon. Just keep in touch on the the internet waves and it'll all it'll all come quick. Amazing. Is there what a LucaManning.com type thing or? Yeah, yeah, LucaManningMusic.com and on Instagram at LucaManning underscore um, is where I'm most prominent i think (laughs) marvelous thank you very much so if you've liked what you've listened to today make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of our valuable episodes and if you want to know more about watford jazz junction check out our website at watfordjazzjunction.com or follow us on twitter or facebook or instagram or tiktok who would have thought email us at jazzwatfordlive at gmail.com but only to say nice things meanwhile don't forget to keep your ears fresh and always connect with something new So it's goodbye, lovely listener. It's goodbye, lovely Luca. Thanks so much for having me. Cheers. And it's goodbye from me. Take care.